If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. If you have the same vision as International Horse College, which is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses, and the horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people, then have a look at their website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Our guest today is Kate Fenner. Kate's a coach and she trains and has competed in dressage, show jumping, western, working equitation, hacking and polo. Kate's an equine scientist and is currently working towards a PhD and she's working on training and welfare. She's in a second year and we'll talk a little bit about a study and uh, relationship between, you know, horses, the housing, discipline, responsiveness, breed, age and owner experience a little bit later on in the interview. But meanwhile, how are you today, Kate? I'm very well, thank you. Good, good. Good to have you here, Kate. Kate, we normally start off with a favourite quote. Have you got one for us? Well, I do. It's not really a quote, but it's something somebody said to me. John Ryan said to me once, and I, I spent about a year over there in Colorado with them, and he said every time he gets on a horse, he says to himself, this is the only horse in the world. And he said, and it was an amazing thing because I never really think about it. And as someone that often rides 10 horses a day, you know, it's really important that we do treat every horse just like that. So it's something that's really stuck with me and something that I've told myself every time I put my foot in that syrup. Mm. And it's interesting too because sometimes you can get on it and just, if you know, particularly if you're riding a few horses, just try and do the mm. same routine, the same, exactly the same as what you've done with the previous horse. And every horse is going to tell you something yeah. a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Kate, how did you first start with horses? Jura, what are your first memories? Well, I was pretty lucky. I grew up in Sydney but spent a lot of time in country New South Wales and I was thrown on the back of the horse, you know, from age about three. Um, we don't really ride, do we? We sit on them then. But when I was older, so when I was 10, I went off to boarding school in Armidale and took my horse with me. So one of the very few schools in the country where you can take your horse. So I, I attended there. Those are my earliest memories, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, going off to boarding school, taking your horse, you know, being thrown on a horse is still a long way from having a career. Did you always know that you were going to work with horses or was there a particular time when you said, I'm going to work with horses? Um, Look, Glennis, I probably always wanted to, but probably never thought I'd be good enough. (laughs) I think that's something we all suffer from. But the time when I actually made the decision, I didn't actually make the decision to work with horses. I made the decision to improve what I was doing with horses. (laughs) And that was during a Rolex competition in, in Singapore, a dressage competition. And I just felt that I was holding this horse together, completely holding it together. And it was a, a musical a, a freestyle. Mm. And we won the competition and I came out thinking, oh, my God, you know, this is not right. You know, there has to be a better way than this. My horse was so tense. So I thought, I have to find a way that I can work with the horse. Mm-hmm. And it was then we moved from Singapore to America and I found John Lyon. Okay. And I fell into it, really. Mm, mm, mm. So if someone's going to work with horses 
and have a career with horses. What do you think are the core skills or character traits they need to commence in the horse industry? <laughs> um, a sense of humour. <laughs> um, patience, just patience and empathy. To be able to see things from the horse's point of view. You know, depending on what you what you are, I'm a trainer and basically a foundation trainer. I work on all those foundation things. So I work with a lot of young horses and a lot of horses that have had really bad histories. So there's a lot of untraining and retraining to do. So that's where the patience comes in and just the time to be able to really understand things from the horse's point of view. Mm, mm, that empathy is important, isn't it? Mm, 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 mm. Yeah. So working with horses, what do you think the best thing about working with horses? Oh, the best thing. Do you know, if you asked me this six months ago, I'd have said just the horses, all the different horses and how mm-hmm. wonderful it is. But, you know, now I've got to say the people because <laughs> I've just found, and isn't it interesting because I was always a bit scared of social media and because people are so critical on social media. But I've put up quite a lot of stuff lately and I've had just the best responses and it made me so aware of how caring people are about their animals and how they want to do so much better and how open they are to new ideas. Mm-hmm. So I've been really surprised and oh yeah, I'd have to say that and all the wonderful people I've met and, um, you know, intern their horses. But, yeah, that's a, that's a change for me. Yeah, I, I think with horses... People are genuinely trying to do the best thing for their horses. Mm. Mm. Sometimes they may need education, but they're genuinely trying to do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. What What about people who've influenced you and helped you in your career? You want to mention someone here or anyone? Yeah, I think, um, look, probably John Lyons, really. I mean, when I first went to Colorado, there was – I'd sort of moved to the States saying, yes, I'll move to America if we have to, but I'm going to do a horse training course. So then Mm. I set about looking at all the different people. And, you know, America is full of trainers. So it was a huge variety of people to choose from. John appealed to me because he called his method conditioned response training, which is not very sexy, but it made sense to me. I could understand that. So it was the science in that that I really liked. Mm So that's been a huge influence on me. And more recently, of course, my PhD supervisor, Paul McGreevy, and I started reading things that he had written uh, about 10 years ago. And I had to steal my daughter's library access because it's very hard to get access to the journal articles and things. And I was amazed and I started reading that all those years ago. And I said, Ben, I want to do a PhD with this bloke. don't know who he is, but I want to do a PhD with this bloke. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> So, yeah, big influence. Good, mm. good. What about horses? Tell us about horses or a horse that's influenced you and, you know, just helped you with your career. Yeah, probably the biggest one would be a little Argentinian polo pony that I used to play polo on in Singapore. And she was terribly, terribly nervous. And when I left Singapore, I made her a promise that I'd get her out if I ever could because they don't have a great life there. And then I went to John Lyon, so I thought, oh, well, there we go. I'll get her. <laughs> I'll ship her from Singapore to the States, as you do, which I did. Mm-hmm. And she was just astonishing. I mean, she was 12, I think, at the time. I then brought her back to Australia. My son learned to ride on her. And she was a wonderful, wonderful horse that had the most awful history. She'd been through, you know, being broken in in Argentina, which isn't pretty. was, you know, still terribly nervous with new people right up until... You know, the last years of her life. Mm-hmm. But 
amazing the way a horse like that, you know, they, they really make great horses once somebody takes the time to, to do it, you mm-hmm. know, explain mm-hmm. them to them. Gee, she's certainly well-travelled pony, isn't she? She's gone from the out. She, she was very well. I, I, skipped, I skipped the country, and she also lived in the UK for three years. Wow, wow. <laughs> she's, uh, yeah, certainly well-travelled, yeah. Yeah, very well-travelled. Yeah. What do you think your proudest moment's been? Oh, I'm probably enrolling in the PhD, actually setting out. You know, it, it took me six years, but actually you know, getting that notification back to say that I'm in was probably it, yeah. I thought you were going to say, well, when I get my PhD, that'll be the proudest. But, you know, you're sort of on the way. So, um, oh, yeah, don't yeah. Ma- maybe we should yeah. do this interview again in a couple of years when you've got your PhD and you can change that. Yeah, yeah. let's do yeah. that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, what's been the biggest challenge? Um, you know, because you said it's taken you six years, but even go back further, just, you know, to get where you are now. Or, or even tell us about the last six years. You know, what's been your biggest challenge? Yeah, for me, it's getting the message out. So mm-hmm. so I started by taking horses in in the UK and I'd take horses into training and then I'd travel around the country and teach clinics and things like that. And, and when I moved back to Australia, I thought, oh, you know, this is great. But it's not – taking horses into training – isn't really in the end helping the horse. It's a it's a very temporary thing. Mm. So what I need is I need to be teaching the owners to train their horses. So I decided that I'd um what I really wanted to do was do something online so people could come along, watch it and then go and do it on their horse. You know, I mean Australia's enormous, never mind the rest of the world. I can't get around everywhere. So um I rang up my internet service provider and said, well, you know, what about this? What can you do for me? And I, basically I wanted some live streaming. And this was eight years ago and he laughed at me. Oh, <laughs> well, that's ridiculous. You'll, wow. you'll never be able to do that. So here we are and I can laugh at him now. So, yes, at the time I, I made some DVDs because that was all I could do. Mm. And then, yeah, the last six I've been building up this online business and I do everything online now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to talk to you about your research, your PhD research. Now, the relationship, because you're saying, you know, just there's a lot of folklore and a lot of old wives' tales about horses training, why they do things. And I know that we tend to treat people like horses, sorry, treat horses like people, and we categorize them. You know, I mean, we've got Chestnut mares, you know, you wouldn't buy a chestnut mare because they're always hot and they're always bitchy and they're always, you know, something. But we've got a lovely, lovely chestnut mare that is just lovely. She was born on Fraser Island. She was, you know, Brumby. She's been teaching people to ride for a number of years and, you know, doing this a few times a week. So it's not just a one-off and just the loveliest, loveliest horse. But she's She's called Sweetie. She's a chestnut mare. Mm-hmm. So what what can you say? Why have, why have chestnut mares got such a bad rap? Why do we categorise them? It's terrible, isn't it? It's mm. terrible. Yeah. Well, I think that's basically what my PhD project is all about, is mm. getting rid of these myths. Because what happens is people get a chestnut mare and they make all these assumptions about it. And the mare suffers as a result. You know, we, if we come back to my quote, you know, this is the last horse in the world. If we're stuck with the chestnut mare as the last horse in the world and we hate chestnut mares, we we can't do it, can we? You know, it's not going to work. So the project is designed to get rid of those myths. Now, it's a longitudinal study. So what we're going to do is 
give people the opportunity to come back in six months' time and take it again and see what changes have occurred. So they could go and they could put a new training regime in place or they could house their horse differently or feed their horse differently, come back in six months' time and say, oh, okay, well, that that has helped because we're going to check off a number of different behavioural measurements and they'll be able to compare those over time. So things like the chestnut mare things, hopefully we will be able to debunk some of those old myths that aren't doing the horse industry or the horses any good at all. Mm, mm, mm. That's good. Now, some of the questions, can you just let us in? Because you've already got a a pilot out now with that survey. Is that right? We do. We do. It's quite exciting, actually. We've got we've got a pilot out now. Now, what we want is to get about a thousand or fifteen hundred people to go through this pilot for us. It's currently about two hundred and thirty questions, which is quite a lot. So it'll take twenty or thirty minutes to do it, but. What it's going to enable us to do is to look at all those questions that have similar answers so that we can cut the question numbers down a lot. Mm -hmm. It's available right now, so people can go and do it. And they'll be asked demographic questions about their horse and themselves. So just sort of all about their horse, the breed, the size, the colour, all of those things. We'll find all those chestnut mares in there. And then we're going to ask lots of questions about their daily sort of training habits and mm. routines and how the horses house and those sorts of things. So we're just looking at the last six months. So if somebody has a horse that they've had for the last six months and they're familiar with that horse, it'd be a really good opportunity to go and take a look at this instrument and have a go. And it would be very useful for us as well in helping to formulate the final version, which I hope will be out around the middle of the year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, if people do use the pilot and answer 250 yeah. questions, I think you said, can they also use that same data and then come back in six months' time to the final version and um, carry on? Or will they have to start again in the final version? Is it like two separate versions? Um, no, no. The, the kind, the very kind people that are doing our pilot version will mm. have to redo the final version because it will be different. Okay. Okay. Because, yeah, because it'll be hopefully 150 questions, so it would be nice. Mm-hmm. So it would be much quicker. This one yep. is for those keen people that are, would like to help us and yep. give us their feedback. There's also a box for feedback. So yep. we've had some really, really interesting feedback, and I think what's been the overwhelming thing about the feedback has been how just how much people love their horses. Mm-hmm. They've mm-hmm. just answered 250 questions. Most of the feedback things tell me a little story about their horse. It's just beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Really yeah. nice. Yeah. And and then will they get a summary of the data when you're finished? You know, will they because they'd be interested then to see how they compare to, you know, to everyone else that does the survey. Yeah, absolutely. At this stage, because we're still in the pilot, that's not a feature that we're able to do. That will be a feature of the final eBark survey. Mm-hmm. So in the middle of the year, when the final one comes out, what you'll be able to do immediately after you've filled it out is compare your arid to other arids. So there'll be mm-hmm. a free comparison and yep. you can see where your horse sits in comparison to other horses of that breed, which is the same as what Seabark does, which is the canine version of this instrument. Okay. I don't know if anybody, but if people have a dog, you can also get to Seabark from my website. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's a really interesting survey as well. And they've had 80,000 dogs go through that survey. Wow. 
Wow. Huge. Mm. Yeah. Huge. So this pilot, will it be like ongoing, not the pilot, the actual proper one, it'll be ongoing that they'll be able to say do it in six months' time and then do it again every six months and they'll keep getting feedback on just how things – because it's ongoing but is going to – help people improve, you know, help people realise that certain things they might be doing might be changing the horse's behaviour and they can just change their behaviour a bit and, and see how things go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so it's it's great from the horse owner's point of view or rider's point of view from, for that sort of thing. I mean, checking in every six months to see how you're going, mm. you, that's fantastic. But And also from the scientist's point of view, you know, we're getting, we're collecting all this data which would be so useful. So we can start dispelling some of those myths like the chestnut mare. Mm, mm, and we can mm. start saying, you know, really, is it, is it really a good idea, for example, you know, to lunge your horse for 30 minutes before you ride? You know, does that improve your horse's behaviour in the future? We can, you know, really start looking at these things, which mm, they haven't mm. been looked at. There's really no hard data on things like that. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, can you give us an example of some of the questions, some of the types of questions that would be in the survey? Oh, okay. There's quite a few big sort of matrix questions. So you'll mm-hmm. be asked, you can answer either it never happens, it rarely happens, sometimes, always, usually. I think the answer go something like that. There's a choice mm-hmm. of five. Mm-hmm. And we do different things. So we might ask about how anxious the horse is, so there'll be mm-hmm. questions around anxiety, so does the horse paw when it's tied up, or does the horse call out when it's alone? Mm-hmm. Then we've got questions about the horse's responsiveness to cues, so to find out how much rain pressure, for example, you might need to stop the horse or turn the horse, or we've got questions about how responsive the horse is to leg aids or uh, artificial aids as well. Um, there's not a lot on specific feeding because it's not a veterinary Thing. It's mm-hmm. a behaviour thing. So mm-hmm. we broad questions about feeding and housing. And then all sorts of questions about how often the horses work and those sorts of things. So we can get an idea of, um, of how much people interact with the horse and at what sort of training level the horse is at currently. Oh, hang on a sec. Let me interrupt to let people know about the horse industry qualifications at onlinehorsecollege.com. If you have a look at the flexible options, there's online theory and the practical components can be completed by video or with a qualified expert in your area. That website again is onlinehorsecollege.com. Okay, thanks. Yep. So even if they don't work their horse every day and they think, oh, I won't do it, you know, just to know that if they ride their horse once a month, you know, that's still going to give you an overview, isn't it? Yeah. Even if they'd never ride their horse. So the survey's actually branched into, so we get the demographic, we have the demographics for each, we get the age, the breed, the sex, all of that sort of thing. And then it divides into ridden horses and non-ridden oh, horses. Oh, okay. Yep, yep. So if the horse hasn't been ridden in the last six months for any reason, mm-hmm. maybe it's a miniature, I don't know. If it has been ridden the last six months, you take the non-ridden. If it has, even only once, you take the ridden. And that way, you know, you might be doing a slightly different survey in six months' time, but you'll you'll get um you'll get all that feedback back yep. again. Yeah. yeah. Good. Good. All right, Kate, have you got a book that you'd like to recommend to our listeners just to help them with their education and training, what they're doing? Sure. I'm going to, of course, recommend Equitation Science by Paul McGreevy and Andrew McLean as my number one. And I've got two because I'm just like that. Um <laughs> 
Philip Carl's The um, Twisted Truths of Modern Dressage is another yep. excellent book. Yeah. Both those have been previous recommendations. They're both popular. Yeah. Good. Yeah. All right. Now, what are you looking forward to at the moment? You know, is it all focused on finishing your PhD or is there some, anything else that, that's sort of the main thing that you're doing? That's keeping me pretty busy, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to doing some travel. I have mm-hmm. a, a grand plan to get myself a gooseneck and travel around Australia and bring these methods to some, you know, some of the more remote areas of Australia. Mm-hmm. And that's my plan really for sort of next year and okay. the following year. So if people are interested in contacting you there, we'll have your details soon, Kate, on horsechats.com slash Kate Fenner. But meanwhile, are you able to sum up just in a few sentences your philosophy with horses just for a message to go out to our listeners? I think I'd just like to say that, you know, you as an owner know your horse better than anyone and that every interaction you have with your horse, you're training your horse. And really... It's your obligation then to take responsibility for your horse's training and go about it in a really proactive way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's good. Good. All right, Kate, and how can people contact you? Oh, I'm on candoequine.com. Okay. They can All right. email me there. And the eBark is there as well. Oh, brilliant. Yes. I'm going to say that the link and um, everything will be on our website as well. And it'll be horsechats.com slash Kate Fenner. Or just go to horsechats.com and search for Kate. All right. So thanks very much for talking to us today. Thanks for talking to us about the eBark survey. Hopefully you'll get lots of lots of people coming and the listeners and um you know, you'll get lots of feedback, which, you know, in turn will improve the lives of horses anyway. So thank you very much for that and uh, good luck with your PhD. Thank you. Thank you, Glenn. Okay, bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 